You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show is live on Thursdays at 3 p.m. and heard exclusively here on octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to consider listening to our show live during our broadcast time. The show is brought to you by Commerce National Bank, Succession Strategies, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better business decisions. Critical Mass Coast to Coast is a production of Renaissance Executive Forums at Critical Mass for Business. Renaissance Executive Forums brings together the top executives from non-competing companies into an advisory board process through which thousands of leaders gain fresh ideas and new insights. If you're interested in finding out more about this peer advisory process, it's very simple. Find Renaissance Executive Forums website, which can be found at Executive Forums, spelled F-O-R-U-M-S, Executive Forums, F-O-R-U-M-S, dot com. There you will be able to learn more about the various product offerings, services that the firm provides. Renaissance Executive Forums is an international organization with over 1,200 members belonging to various peer advisory boards around the world. All right, let's turn our attention to our first guest today on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Daniel Osbun is of Daniel's Moving and Storage, and we're going to be talking with Daniel about a range of topics, so let's bring him onto the program. Welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be with you. Why don't we start by asking a simple question? I think they'll all be straightforward. I don't know if they'll all be simple, Daniel, but they'll all be straightforward here on the program today. But talk to us about your path to Daniel's moving and storage. Well, there's not a lot in the past. <clears throat> I started the company at age 16, so there's only a few years in front of that that had much of an impact. But my parents were just dirt farmers out of North Dakota, so good, hard work ethics lots of integrity, and they were entrepreneurial. They moved to Los Angeles before I was born, and they embarked on a few different businesses where they eventually landed into a Tupperware distribution business that took them to Phoenix, where I was raised in the back of a warehouse helping out with Tupperware packaging and distribution on a statewide basis, which ended up as a great career path to what I do now in the moving and storage business. So from the time I was 11 until about 16, I went to school and also worked a full-time job in the entrepreneurial offices of my parents. To see the glamorous side of being a business owner at a young age, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, the glamorous side was oftentimes sleeping in a laundry-type cart that we used to push Tupperware product around from an assembly line standpoint. So in the early days, they worked night and day to make ends meet until they became quite successful at what they did. But from a, a vantage point, 
as a child growing up in that, it was great to see the results of what hard work and ethics could create. So you said that was great real-world training for your current firm, Daniels Moving and Storage. Talk to us a bit about what it is that the firm, what services, what do you supply to the, to the communities that you service, and why, from your perspective, and more importantly, probably from your client's perspective, is, is your firm different from others who might do something which they would say would be similar to what your firm does? Yeah, great question. So the background is that I started the moving company some 34 years ago with just myself and a pickup truck. And today we're close to 200 people strong and about 175 vehicles. We operate out of four locations. Phoenix's headquarters with an operation in Tucson, Kansas City, Missouri, and Wichita, Kansas. And we're also affiliated with Atlas, which is a national van line operation, as well as an international forwarding company. So when it comes to what services do we provide, it's really the full blanket of services, anything to do with commercial or residential, relocation locally, interstate, and worldwide. So if you can fathom it, being handled, moved, transported, set up, delivered, whatever those things might be, that's what we do. So the second part of your question, I believe, was what is the differentiator between ours and other firms? And I, I go back to that integrity part. As I mentioned, my parents were raised in that kind of an environment, and they raised their family the same way. And hopefully I've done just as good of a job raising my family. I have uh, a couple of children and several grandchildren that work in the business. But what makes us different is the, the follow-through on the integrity. One of our core values is honest, open, and clear communication, and that translates to the customer as great customer service. I've sat on a rescue board for movers that have uh, treated customers perhaps unfairly. You might have even heard about when somebody doesn't pay their moving bill, their furniture gets held up in hostage, so to speak. Have you heard of that happening? Yes, I have. Sure. So when I sat on the review on the rescue board for that, it wasn't unusual to see one of those moves a day where a consumer was looking for help with an unfair trade practice in one sense or another. So when we talk about the integrity of doing it right and doing what's best for the consumer, that's really what sets us apart. We don't experience those kinds of problems. Not to say that we don't have our own service failures that we have to take corrective action on, but from an integrity standpoint, we do what we say we're going to do, which gives the consumer the comfort level to know that they're dealing with a bona fide company that has their best interest in mind as well. So uh, really that's the guiding light that leads our organization and what makes us different than the majority of our competitors, not all. Certainly there are many moving companies that operate in a similar integrity fashion, but they're certainly few and far between comparative to the number of companies in the United States. So, so Daniel, I'm curious, uh, a couple quick follow-up questions. Uh, you have a footprint in Arizona, but you also have two markets outside of the state. Can you share with our audience who are other mid-market business owners from around the country, you know, why you chose to move out of the, you know, out of Arizona for other opportunities and, and what have been sort of the challenges or realizations that you've had to make, make by having these uh, other markets that you service? We've had an aggressive growth plan for you know, off and on, depending upon the period of economic times. But over the years, we've had a pretty significant growth strategy. And so in, in addition to typical organic growth, we recognized that there was the necessity for some merger and acquisition 
to be able to fulfill the goal from the standpoint of growth and revenue increase. And so recognizing that component, we had to look outside the marketplace to get a bigger footprint for our growth initiative to take place. And the Kansas City marketplace was just a great opportunity that came to us because other Atlas agents knew that we were looking to expand. And so they started to contact us to see if we had an interest in purchasing other companies from around the states. And those could be owners that were retiring, um, perhaps customer or businesses that just wanted to get out of the business for whatever reason they were done, they thought they'd made their contribution, whatever the case might be. So it was a little bit of being in the right place at the right time with looking for another operation and the opportunity to expand. And we, we continue that today. Even now in this difficult economic time, we're still looking at increasing our footprint. And so west of us towards the Los Angeles area and east of us all the way to the east coast. So we're currently looking at several operations that are up for sale, and that's just been a continuing process for us. So when we find the right location, the right opportunity, we take advantage of that and uh, produce it. And then challenges, um, gosh, managing from afar. You know, the cultural alignment of the people as you venture around different parts of the country or around the world, the cultural differences are huge. So having an opportunity to regain cultural alignment is the biggest challenge and continues to be. What we do, it's a large people-touch business, and we found that when the group is in really good alignment, we go much faster, better processes. And when the people don't have the good alignment, the processes seem to fall apart. So recognizing the cultural alignment aspect for multiple locations has been crucial for us to survive and, and success from that. I'm not that familiar with your industry to know from uh, from your segment of the moving industry, if, a, if 200 employees with 175 vehicles put you in the middle or the top of the you know spectrum but to me it feels like you have a pretty significantly sized organization for your industry is is that a fair observation on my part or am i missing something uh your your observation is pretty accurate so if you wanted to think about if there were a lower tier a middle and an upper tier we'd probably be on the upper middle upper middle size of the companies there are many, many that are significantly greater size than we are, but there are certainly more that are smaller. So if I had to position myself based on your equation, it would be upper middle. Okay. Yeah, that's my feeling. I was, uh, you know, I'm as I'm learning about your, your farm and your history and you as a leader of that, it's, um, frankly, it's quite impressive what you're doing. And we're going to talk about sort of the challenges of the economy and, and other things that, in later segments here on your part of the interview on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. When we get, we're going to take our first sponsorship break, ladies and gentlemen. When I come back, I'm going to ask Daniel a question about his guiding principle. In other words, of all the things he's learned in business and, and, and over his career, if he's evolved to, and, and it sounds like certainly has, kind of an overarching vision for how he's leading and growing Daniel's Moving and Storage. So we're going to answer that question and others when we come back. But first, let's spend a few minutes with our sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? 
At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com Succession-Strategies.com Succession planning for your family's continued success. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our guest today is Daniel Osborne, and we've been talking about him and his firm, and we're now going to listen to his response to my question before the break about the guiding principle that he's using to lead and grow Daniel's moving in storage. Do you have one, Daniel? Sure. Uh, you know, I mentioned integrity a few times in the conversation earlier, and that has to be a guiding principle and a guiding light of what our company stands for. But by itself, it doesn't really provide much of a vision for growth or leadership. And I believe your question was, what's the process for leadership along with the guiding light? So if you use integrity as the basis, it's the guiding principle, but then the leadership part of that becomes a little bit different. As a small firm, bootstrapping it myself and leading the company, it was pretty easy to point a direction and move towards that and have people follow me because it was really small. And then I found as we continued to grow, there were some plateaus at different revenue positions that created a little bit more difficulty in getting good alignment with the people. And so it's like the group all rowing together in the boat. When everybody's rowing the same direction at the same time, the boat really moves swiftly and gracefully through its path towards its future. When people are rowing either separately, backwards, different directions, or not at all, the boat founders. And so as the company grew, it was harder and harder to get everybody to understand the vision from just purely my verbal communication. 
So we started doing strategic planning sessions with, at first, all of the employees and then eventually the managers and really pulled the information from them as to where they wanted to see themselves and the company in the next 10 to 15 years. And we let that start to be part of the process for leading. And when we can distill that down into an actual vision and plan, which we've done, then it becomes a lot different. It's not me pushing everybody up the river. It's everybody stating, here's where we want to go. And my position becomes much more fun and more clearly defined for leading them on the path that everybody's agreed that we want to go on. So instead of just my vision being the guiding principle or light, we use integrity as the foundation, but really bring the culture of the people all together so that they can decide as a group where they want to go, and then I get to lead them. And when you have good alignment, the location and the place you want to go is often the same, and the path to get there then becomes more crystal. And that's what our—that's what we use as a process for leadership and the guiding light. Outstanding answer and quite thoughtful. And as I'm listening to you answer each of these questions, I'm—I'm I'm thinking that you know we've never we've never had the opportunity to have you on the program before, but it—you strike me as someone who must. Um, be working as much on your business as in your business because uh, uh, you, you're talking about concepts and, uh, and theories and practices and kind of that, that tell me you're spending time in, in a reflective mode about the business in addition as an active mode. So I guess I have to ask you, do you have any direct experience either with a business mentor, maybe beyond your parents as they were early entrepreneurs and mentors in your life, clearly, but others, or a formal peer group where you've met with other business leaders? And, and if so, could, would you be able to share that with our audience today? Absolutely. Uh, the answer to those questions are most definitely yes, in that I have a formal peer group today, actually a couple of them, and through the years I've also had some mentors. So there's a, a group of entrepreneurs worldwide called the Entrepreneurs Organization, and I've been a member of that group for 13 years. And through that process, you form a peer group of about 10 other business owners, and you meet monthly with them in an effort to share best practices, present problems or stumbling blocks, and then they share actual experiences and how they've resolved those same issues through their career path. And those can be either personal or business questions, and it's always in a gestalt communication protocol, which means you speak from experience only. So it's never I think or I believe, but if somebody shares their experience, you can then draw their con you can draw your own conclusions based on how you can apply their experience to your problem. And that peer group has helped me grow and experience the things that I needed to learn in an effort to take this company where it's gone. And I'm certain that without that kind of a peer group, I wouldn't have been able to grow as fast or as well as we've grown. And then through that process, they also offer some mentors who are more seasoned business veterans, might even be in the retirement age, but anywhere between you know 30 and 70 probably. And they've also had their own businesses and gone through these types of whatever your issues might be. And so I've had some one-on-one -on -one mentors. And I, what I learned from them was that it's the questions that they ask that give you the most benefit, not necessarily the answers. Because they might not always have the answer, but if they have enough time and they can ask the right questions, oftentimes the answer clearly identifies itself through that process. So asking the right questions is even better than just having the answer because it allows you to think through the process and come to the proper conclusion for whatever your circumstance might be. 
Can you think back to before you joined um, EO or any peer group experience? What caused you to decide that you could get you out of some type of a membership in a group like that? Can, do you remember that time, and can you share that with our audience? I was at a point in my career with just a single location, and my view of what my total revenue and growth could be was very narrow-minded. And so an example would be, at the time, I remember specifically thinking that a $20 million company was bigger even than I could envision at the time. And once I became involved in a peer group, uh, the questions became more clear. Why was I limiting my growth to just the vision of $20 million? Why wouldn't it be $50 million or $100 million or $200 million? And so I thought about it as, when I joined those peer groups and saw the opportunities around me, it was like having the blinders removed, that I was no longer stuck in my own path, and it allowed me to have a more broad vision of the world around me and what I could be, as opposed to my previously defined process of what I could be. That's excellent perspective, because in, in, in working with business leaders here in Southern California, reminded daily, and if not daily, certainly several times a week, that it's what's between your ears as the leader of a company that has such a dramatic impact on the outcome and results and direction of your firm. It's, I, I say your gray matter matters, and, and I believe that wholeheartedly, and I think what you talked about is a real-life perfect example of how that comes into play in a business leader's life. Yeah, with, without a doubt, and it's like you said, it's only, it's only myself that limits my direction and future not the people around me. And when, when I chose to take those blinders off, the world opened up in a way that I hadn't been able to see previously. And I know that I wouldn't have seen that without the opportunity to share the peer group with others that had been where I was and then had way beyond that grown. All right. Well, let's, let's move you in a little different direction for the next question. Daniel, every business has challenges, more than one usually at a time. We should be so fortunate to only have maybe one single challenge at any one time. But, you know, can you share with our audience a current challenge that you're facing? Maybe explain the challenge and also give us some sense for the ideas or actions that you're taking to mitigate that challenge from affecting your firm. Sure. Biggest current challenge, uh, one of them, we, <laughs> like you mentioned, we have several, but there's one that's pretty much at the top of the challenge for most of the moving companies that are in my size and capacity, and really it's the professional van operator or the driver, over-the-road drivers really specifically. The industry over the last several years has been hurt really, really bad by the home mortgage debacle, and so where consumers don't want to move, they don't want to lose the equity, they don't want to change the location, whatever the reasons are that they don't want to move or can't move, the industry has constricted really considerably over the last four years. And through that process, the industry lost the over-the-road drivers. In years past, where there had been enough of a revenue stream to keep them cash-flowing, busy, and profitable, that segment really changed, almost dried up completely. So it used to be that there were like journeymen coming up behind those over-the-road drivers where maybe it was their kids or their cousins or relatives or people that they just talked to that said, hey, this is a really good business, there's great money in it, and that would attract new members. And so there were always people working on that process to become over-the-road drivers. 
Well, those went away when nobody talked about it favorably anymore, and other drivers retired or found other work. So that lack of lack of work produced the effect of lack of drivers. So even today, when there's a little bit more glimmer of hope in the economic future, we might change the housing environment where we're seeing that coming to a close finally, but now there's not enough drivers to handle the capacity that's in the marketplace because the, there hasn't been enough of it, nor has the profit from it come back enough to want people to be driven to that category. So it's changing the outlook of our industry completely, and that's forcing us to look at other ways to accomplish the goal. And maybe it's not with an over-the-road driver that follows the shipment from the day it packs and loads, handles it across the United States, and then delivers it and unpacks it himself. So that takes us to what the industry might look more like in some kind of an intermodal operation where it becomes containerized. So in Phoenix, we're moving a shipment from Phoenix to Boston. My movers go out and load it into a container. The container can be trucked or put on a rail car or whatever the best process is to get to Boston, and then delivered to Boston by local drivers there and unloaded, which completely removes the specialized over-the-road driver. So what's happening is the industry is going through this kind of a transitionary time but nobody has yet landed on just the right solution to solve the problem from cost-effective, quality of service, and then you still have some issue with drivers, although they don't have to be quite as technical and not having to touch everything. So that's the challenge is, A, recruiting and retaining the over-the-road drivers, and then, B, as the industry is morphing into this new component, what is the best solution to match our customers' needs? And so those are, those are really the components of what's happening today in the marketplace. That's one of those unintended consequences that unless you're in the industry, you may not even give any consideration to um, over-the-road drivers and the shortage. It, as you were answering that question, I am free, I'm in my car for a good part of every day driving around Southern California. I have XM Sirius Radio, so I listen to that channel, a bunch of channels on that uh, through you know satellite radio. And there's a very high concentration of commercials for drivers, long haul drivers, etc. And and I'm just wondering if if that is that advertising to find people to get back in the industry may be uh, an example of what's try, what's on to try to solve that problem that you were talking about. I don't know, but it just sort of seemed like, wow, I've, I've heard those commercials quite a lot. Now maybe I know a little bit more why. Yeah. Now you're hitting it right on the nail head. And I, I remember reading an article back in the late 90s, and they were talking about one of the largest impacts in my industry was going to be a shortage of drivers that would happen in the next 10 to 15 years. And reading that in the 90s, I, could, I couldn't even envision the depth of the problem that they were talking about. But they had done a pretty good scientific study on the demographics of the drivers and recognized even then that it was going to be a shortage, although due to different circumstances. So you take this natural tendency of transition from lack of drivers being recognized even in the late 90s, then you dump the housing market problem on top of that, and it's escalated it much faster than anybody thought it could. And so you're right about the unintended consequence is that the industry is changing. And so my view of what that looks like in 10 to 15 years is that you'll have a few really high-end customers that want and need a high-touch service where they want the same mover and driver to pack it, load it, deliver it, and unload it and unpack it, and they'll pay a premium service to maintain that level of customer service. 
and the rest of the consumers will accept a containerized mode of some kind that is not quite yet identified. Interesting. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. See that? That's one of the unintended consequences of this radio show is that our listening audience gets this great insight from people that maybe they wouldn't normally have a chance to talk with, but through the virtue of this technology, we're able to bring you this show around the world, not just here in the U.S. We're going to take our second sponsorship break on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Um, Daniel, when I come back, I'm, I'm going to ask you, you know, as you said, you're sort of at the top of the middle of the you know, business uh, spectrum relative to your size and footprint. So I'm going to ask you about that. You know, what's your strategy for larger firms in your industry, and, and what are you doing to create the success that your company has been enjoying? So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm sure all of you feel that you have much larger competitors in your space, and here's a chance to learn from a successful entrepreneur such as yourself about what he is doing and how he is effectively competing with larger firms. But first... Let's spend a few minutes with our sponsors. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and we'd like to welcome our newest sponsor to the lineup here in Critical Mass Radio Show Series. That is Commerce National Bank. Uh, we welcome them with open arms and appreciate their support. This program is made possible through the support of sponsors like Commerce National Bank and our other sponsors. Speaking of the Critical Mass Radio Show Series... In case you weren't aware, this Coast to Coast show is one of three that we have in the series. On Tuesday, we bring interesting interviews with California business leaders on a program we call Critical Mass Radio Show. This show is in its fourth year and can be heard live at 4 p.m. on Tuesdays. On Wednesdays, we are a show featuring Southern California nonprofit organizations and their leaders and members of their board and community. All shows can be heard live on internet radio station ocradio.net, or they can be rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services that we use. All shows also can be found from our website, www.criticalmass4business.com. All right, let's take our attention back and ask Daniel if he can share with us a bit about his competitive strategies in the markets that he's serving. You bet, absolutely. You know, and I think about the equation of alignment with the brand. And so the consumers are always looking for something different depending upon the level where the consumer is and what they're looking for. And so having a brand alignment with a division or a company that allows you to service that particular targeted need is really how we approach that marketplace. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, here at Daniels Moving, I was an independent owner-operator in a smaller segment for the first 24 years, and I recognized that it was difficult to give all of the consumers everything they might need 
as a single location, single one-sided brand as, as Daniel's moving. So that was when we wrote the Quantum Leap growth platform for what our footprint would look like, and that created this opportunity for multi-branches. And then the best way to align those was with a, a carrier like Atlas Van Lines, and so we became an, an Atlas Van Lines agent. So if you're the, the huge employer in your marketplace and you're moving 300 of your employees from one side of the country to the other, as a small independent, that's really tough to service. But as an Atlas agent, that's what we do the most of. Atlas does more of those types of relocations for companies than anybody else in the United States. So I consider back to what I was referring to, brand alignment. So if I was targeting that large segment of home moving to corporate sponsors, I would have a brand alignment with Atlas that allowed me to, to handle that and be recognized as a leader in that segment of the marketplace. And then you kind of look at that differently than for the local person just moving their own home who might not need or desire a large van line affiliation. So by maintaining our Daniels reputation in our local marketplaces, we become the local mover that doesn't make any difference if it has an affiliation or not. So again, the brand alignment from the individual consumer wanting to do a local move allows them to look at us as a local provider and the affiliation doesn't matter. And, and it works the same way for the international. Atlas is one of the largest international companies through the world. So if you're moving from Sweden and you want to move to Yugoslavia and you want to know who to pick in the national branding for or the worldwide branding for that segment, Atlas would pop up as a major player. And so we have those opportunities to service the consumer at whatever level they think their brand alignment needs. And so that, that's how we really handle it both above us and below us from a scaling standpoint. Did that answer that question okay? Yes, and it and it also demonstrates that partnerships can be a strategic growth element that you don't have to do it all uh, by yourself. And through partnerships and, and relationships, you can actually scale your business more efficiently, I would think, than, and probably to a degree that you can get to that you couldn't get to um, individually unless you had such a roll-up capability and acquisition. I mean, I can't even imagine how you would start an international or national moving company in today's economy or this day and age. Yeah, yeah, really tough. And I'll give you an example of that. We have some large office moving accounts that have offices all around the world. And being able to provide them consistent levels of customer service to make it look the same, feel the same, and have it be the same was quite a challenge. So about 10 years ago, we founded an organization called the Office Moving Alliance. And that's comprised of the highest um, level of service office movers throughout the United States. So now when I have a customer that's based in my Kansas City office and say it's a large law firm and they have a presence in Paris, they'd like their move and for their office done within Paris the same way it's done in Kansas City, we call on our alliance member there in Paris and have them handle that move for us all the way through from beginning to end. We bill it and with the end user who's handling facilities moves throughout the world, it appears the same no matter where they handle that. So that kind of a partnership gave us the opportunity to roll up without having to physically complete that, as you said, in the difficult economic times we live in. Wow. 
excellent answer, and thank you for sharing. And hopefully others who are listening either live or in the future, uh, maybe as a podcast, a rebroadcast from iTunes or something, you can think, how can I put that into play in my industry? One of the other great advantages of learning from other industries is sometimes you can have first mover advantage with these concepts if they're not already in place in your industry you do it first you can secure a lot of advantage while others figure out what you've done and try to catch up so um give it some thought ladies and gentlemen you're learning as you're listening let's hope i'd like to turn our attention maybe to another area and this is your a bit of your past daniel and i I really enjoy asking this question when i get a chance to on any of the radio programs that i host but um can you think about a time where you learned a really valuable business lesson, you know, that lesson that you carry with you today, but at the time it felt like you were going through a difficult, trying, or maybe even a painful experience? Your death experience? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the one that comes to the top of mind is a lesson that we learned about 10 years ago and has settled in for the long haul. You don't forget it. It's kind of like the Great Depression of the 30s. You know, the people who lived through that say that that had an impact on them the rest of their lives. So I take it your question is probably in that similar vein. Yes. So in the late 90s, I mentioned to you that we had a plan called Quantum Leap Growth, where at the time our company was growing 10 to 15% annually, and we wanted to grow at 40% annually. So we wrote the plan in 98, actually, and embarked on that, and we were growing really, really well in the 20, 25, 30, 35 on an annual basis. And in the year 2011, we had ramped up for 40% growth, and we were actually on the path to accomplish that even through August of 2001 when we rolled along and September 11th happened. Well, I don't know if you can remember how we felt here in America, but right after that, Nobody wanted to move. People wanted to stay close to home. They wanted to stay close to their relatives. And nobody moved if they didn't have to. And we didn't know how long that was going to last. Was it going to be a day, a week, a month, a year, forever? Nobody knew the answer to that. And so we had budgeted not only for the growth but also for the expense. And that meant additional facilities, more trucks, more people, just more of everything to accomplish a 40% revenue growth. When the revenue growth shrunk to almost zero, we couldn't shed fast enough the buildings, the trucks, all of the hard costs that we had amassed to really operate at the 40% growth. And so through the rest of 01 and into 02, that almost bankrupted us because we didn't have enough cash to shore up the gap between the revenue shortfall and the hard expense that was already budgeted and used. So what we recognized from that was to consider whatever growth initiative we want, and then consider what the worst-case scenario might be from a cash flow perspective so that we didn't get into that bad of a crunch again. And uh, I'll tell you, that that has helped us through the process, especially as this economic downturn is still in front of us because we've just gone through now another what might be similar to that Great Depression time of really economic slump, no growth. And so we've had to have enough cash to last that time frame out. So it was excellent to have that lesson after 9-11 to be able to apply it to the time that we're living through today. We're going to take a quick break here, and we'll come back and finish up with you right after this. Can we talk about your family business? 
You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com Succession-Strategies.com Succession planning for your family's continued success. back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you've not seen an episode of Critical Mass TV, please go to our website, criticalmassforbusiness.com, where you'll find a link to our show archives. You'll find that in our new media section of our website, along with our archives for our various radio shows, as well as other programs that we offer here to the community. Okay, I really appreciate the fact that Daniel has given us so much time today. We've really picked his brain. So, Daniel, my last question for you today here on the program is to talk about the future. Tell us, from your perspective, how do you strategize for growth, given all that you've taught us about the moving industry and where you see it going in the future? Sure. Happy to provide some of my personal insight to that. I mentioned earlier that the changes that are morphing into the industry look like some kind of a containerized relocation program. So put that aside for just a moment, and let me consider sharing what the percentages of revenue streams look like. So you're familiar with the do-it-yourself mover, somebody that rents a truck, moves themselves, they get their family and friends, and for whatever the outcome is, they get themselves moved from point A to point B. So that segment is the do-it-yourself mover. You're familiar with that concept, I hope. Professional movers, like Daniel's Moving and Storage, handle only about 10% of the total market share nationally of consumer moving. So that means there's a 90% piece of market share that we as professional movers haven't been able to brand, target, or penetrate. So as we've looked to the future, and in consideration with some kind of a containerized move program, branding ourselves so that we align with that consumer instead of them doing it themselves, giving them solutions to that consumer need to fulfill that so that that we're recognized as someone that does that piece of the pie. So our next quest is to really delve into that 90% that's left on the table that the professional movers aren't touching today. So when you think about revenue growth, you don't have to penetrate a very big piece of 90% to gain a significant market share growth in that segment. And that's where we're headed. No idea. It was that high. I would, um, if that was on, if I was on a 
game show and they would ask me that percentage, I'd be off the stage, ladies and gentlemen. That is, that is surprising to me that an overwhelming majority of, like, of people choose to move. I know my producer, Paul Roberts, he's that kind of guy. He's a mover. So you don't, if you're not his friend today, don't become one because you never know what the future holds. But, yeah. um, wow. So, so actually, that's, that's an interesting way to grow the business, though, is to figure out how to – that's an adjacent market to where you are and figuring out what, what, what kind of services or products do you think you could offer to that marketplace? Well, technology, it's really the chase. Where do you find that, that client, and how do they find you? So that becomes a lead generation point of interest. And so marketing, Internet-wise, to that particular consumer, and then being able to appear as if you're the right solution, and then, of course, being able to fulfill that and actually being the right solution. So the brand recognition, as I pointed out earlier, is, is way off path from what it needs to be to capture that market. So if we're an Atlas agent working worldwide, the average do-it-yourself consumer doesn't think that we're a potential solution for them. So it's a paradigm shift in the way that we brand currently. And then from an electronic standpoint, giving the consumer what they're asking for in an easy-to-gain-access process. Today, more and more consumers don't want to talk to really anybody about what they want done. They want to be able to go online, point, click, and secure the move. And so electronic tools that are engaging to the consumer in a brand-driven awareness will help us gain that exposure to that 90% market share, and currently that's our path. Wow. We're going to have to have you back on in the future, Daniel, because I want to learn more about how that's working for you. And, uh, again, I think there's, there are lessons for others in different industries based on what, because you know from your experience in peer groups, so much of the business opportunities and challenges are, that you're facing are common, and that's why this experience-based model can work so well in these advisory boards, etc. If someone would like to visit your website, learn more about what you do, see a video of you uh, talking to them directly, I mean, how do they find you? What's your website? Sure. Danielsmoving.com. And on that site, there are several video clips that are really divided up by service lines. So if you're looking for a house move or an office move or you just want to get acquainted with myself, the founder, you can click on any of those icons and find a video that might suit your needs best. So www.danielsmoving.com. Let me say what a joy it's been to have you as our featured guest today. Um, you made the time for me go by very quickly with a lot of interesting ideas that I think hit exactly with the reason why I started doing this show uh, two years ago or the original show four years ago, which is that so many people, so many business executives are so busy with their business, many times they don't realize how much they can learn from just spending an hour as they did today here with you on the radio program. So thanks for being a friend of the program. Welcome to the Executive Forums business community, and I want to thank Steve Pincus, our Renaissance Executive Forums representative in in your area in Arizona for bringing you to the attention of the program. Thank you, Daniel. Great. Thank you for allowing me to spend time with you. It was really appreciated, and uh, I hope to do it again. You will. You certainly will, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I hope you've enjoyed today's show and that you were taking notes or maybe you'll tell some friends about this show so that they can learn from the lessons that Daniel shared and his experiences as well. We do this show and the other shows to help you uh, make better business decisions. Again, the show is brought to you by Commerce National Bank. 
Succession Strategies, and Smart Business Magazine. If you'd like to learn more about Executive Forums, please check out their website, www.executiveforums.com. Producing our show today was Paul Roberts. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltus. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. And I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about uh, Critical Mass for Business or you want to refer a future guest who might be on our program, then go to our website, Critical Mass for Business, and you'll see how to contact me directly. I'd be very interested in having Kathleen speak with them about a future appearance on the program. Until the next time we have a chance to be together, here's hoping that all of your decisions move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast, right here on Orange County's only community radio station, OCTalkRadio.net.